Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. Pastor Carl Thomas. Hallelujah. Let's go ahead and declare what we believe. Amen. Come on, let's say it. Let's say it boldly. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He Send it into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He'll come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Universal Church, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen, amen, amen. amen. Give somebody a hug. You can have a seat. Thank you so much. That's a, come on, we could give a little bit more to that. Come on, come on, come on, somebody. We got, a, we, got a, we got a couple special things happening today uh, that is really, um, really kind of cool. Uh, first of all, um, Mike and Sue Rentler celebrated their 50th anniversary yesterday. Can we get on the rest of the house lights if we could? They, 50th anniversary. That's kind of a... Now, I feel like we could give a little bit more honor to 50 years. We can give a little more honor to 50 years than that. Ready? Hold on. And what they're going to do is they're going to share today. You got it? Okay. But well, they're, they're going to they're share a little bit today. We're going to kind of put them like that and like that. And they're going to talk a little bit about marriage and staying together longer than the average person stays together these days. Can we say amen to that? We have a, we have a value here at Revival Life. Uh, uh, Duke brought a prophetic word on it recently, and it's called Honor. And uh, in, the, in the scriptures we see, when you, when you honor, you receive what you honor. Amen. You receive what you honor. Uh, and, and this is why the enemy works so hard at offense and judgment. I guess you're by yourself today. That's it. They got a, they got a, they got a shirt on. We still, we still do 50 years later. Come on. He's got one too. That's why the enemy works so hard at judgment. He wants to, he wants to block honor in your life. And I, we just believe that what you honor, you receive. And we want to honor 50 years of the rentlers today. We want to honor them. And we want to honor what God has done in their lives. They've been serving Jesus faithfully for a very long time. Oh, look at Mike. That's a good guy right there. Oh, oh! You want me to hold that for you until you're done speaking, possibly? Okay. Still do. <laughs> and so, and so, you're like, that, come on, that's good. You're like, this is weird because I don't, I don't like. Listen, listen, listen. Uh, I, I, wanna, I want, I want, my marriage to last a distance. How about you? I want, my, I, want, I want to know what that's like. And so we're, we've done, we've asked them to put together a little message uh, to speak about uh, marriage. You ready there, Mike? Or you got to go somewhere else again? Okay. All right. Well, if you would please honor Mike and Sue Rentler. We're elderly geeks. We use our phones now for our messages. <laughs> I've lost my... You better find it, honey. Oh, there it is. <laughs> 
Good. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, mm -hmm. everyone here and everyone, everyone online. Oh, very good, honey. <laughs> We'd like to thank, oh, that's me. We've got it scripted out so we get to share the time. We'd like to thank Pastor Carl and Pastor Tracy for the opportunity to share this with you. It's an honor. It really is. You know, it's like, ooh. Because, uh, you know, we get nervous every time we come up here and speak. And it's like, <sighs> we just hope to impart something to people Amen. that their lives will be better for it. Amen. You know, because we've, uh, my phone keeps dying. But uh, Sue and I have been married 50 years yesterday. And um, we partied like a rock star all day yesterday. Yeah. We did not. I was leading into the joke, honey. Oh, okay. It's okay. You know, we've been married 50 years, and there isn't nothing I wouldn't do for her. And there's nothing I wouldn't do for him. So that's 100 years of us doing nothing for each other. <laughs> Just a little, just a little joke. <laughs> wow. Okay, when we first got married, wait a minute, it's my turn. We made an agreement. Oh, okay. I didn't. That we would not have any liver, Brussels sprouts, or broccoli in our house. Come on, that's a good word. <laughs> and we have never had liver, Brussels sprouts, or broccoli in our house. That's a good word, right? Mm -hmm. there. That's and important. I, and I do what's best for the household. I provide the money not to buy liver broccoli or Brussels sprouts. This is one of Sue's favorite verses. In, um, sorry, Romans 12.10 in the New International Version, it says, be devoted to one another, to love, honor one another <laughs> above yourselves. Amen. And we've always tried to do that, to love each other and honor each other. Mm -hmm. If you look back, they got it. It's oh. up there on the screen, too, so you, so you can actually see it. I'm new at this. <laughs> yeah, me too. So, this morning, as I was going through scriptures and stuff like I do, I came across a verse that really spoke to me. It says, in Ezekiel 36, 26, Moreover, I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And God is constantly doing that with me. I was looking around to see if I could get a big enough stone and a big enough hammer to show you what's God doing to me. And it's like, it seems like the more he hammers, the more there is to hammer. It's like, whoo, because we don't know what's in us. We really don't. Uh, scripture says the heart, above all, your heart is deceitful and wicked above all things. And I'm there like, boom, that's me. And he's constantly doing it. And it's like he keeps chipping it away little by little by little by little. And after a while, you get to the point where you don't make people cry every time you talk. You know, in a bad way. You know, I can make people cry in a bad way really easy. And that's something I, uh, I try not to do anymore. It's just not good, is it? No. Sue? Yes. Mm-hmm. What? When we first were mating, mating, dating, <laughs> we were mating... Our first, our first date was a blind date. A friend of mine set us up, you know, and I told her, it was like the next night, we're on a blind date. We go out, we had a good time and stuff. And call her up, hey, let's go out. Okay, good. You like to shoot pool? She goes, yeah, sure. So we went out to other people shooting pool. 
I find out like a week later, she's got a pool table in her basement. And I'm there like, are you kidding me? And then later on, I, wanted I played. To go out. Huh? I wanted to go out. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I played her father for her in a game of pool and I won. <laughs> and he was good. He was a good pool player. It was his table. But it was a blind date. And I said to Sue, I said, listen, I just want to check for the summer. That's it. That's all. I, I want no, no strings, no ties, nothing. Because I was free, kind of. You know? And then we had to move to Florida, so it's summertime all the time. Because it's like, she's still my chick for the summer. <laughs> He's had me ever since. Yeah. Amen. But uh, I, I was warped for a long time. The first 10 years we were married, it was like, without Jesus, it's really interesting. You do some of the dumbest things, and yeah. you look back at it now. You know, I was so warped that I thought date night was going to Publix to spray for the bugs <laughs> on a Saturday night. Would work six days a week, and the manager and the assistant manager, we'd switch places on who went to spray for bugs on Saturday night. And I thought that was the date night. Yeah, I thought that counted. <laughs> we went out. We left the house, you know. But it's like, <laughs> that's really warped. It is. So romantic. But uh, Jesus came and rescued us. Yeah, um... God sent a, a man named Gary Mitchell into our lives. And um, this was 10 years after we were married because we didn't really know Jesus. <laughs> and um, he talked to us for probably six months um, before we finally gave up. I, sa I said to him, you know, I asked him questions all the time. And every question I asked him about the Bible, he could go right to scripture and show me what God said. So I finally became a believer that, okay, God's word is real. And um, that was October 7th, 1980. We gave our mm -hmm. hearts to Jesus yeah. together. <laughs> We're glad we could do it together or we would have killed each other. <laughs> we would have. No, we wouldn't. <laughs> We're over there and I'm praying and reading the Bible and stuff because and I was... A good Catholic boy. Now, the more you do, the more you get. You know, it's like, earn it, earn it, earn it. And then she comes up to me and goes, do you love God more than me? And it's like, ooh, that's a dangerous question after you get saved, you know. And? I love God more than you. Sorry, hon. <laughs> it's still true today, you know, because he, he's the one that comes through for us. Well, he's us. first in our lives. Yes. Yeah. You're up. In Matthew 6.33, um, it says, seek first. Oh. <laughs> Matthew 6.33, yeah. You want to read it on my phone? No. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be uh, provided to you. So we've tried to do that over the years, to always seek him first and his righteousness. And he's added all these things onto us. Uh, a good marriage and good friends, people we love, and especially our church. <laughs> there you go. We're so thankful for all of you. Mm -hmm. Amen. Good. My turn. <laughs> We've always tithed ever since. That was one of the first things Gary taught me was to tithe. And I can remember Sue looking at me going, who's going to buy the groceries? I said, well, <laughs> God's going to have 10%. Yeah. yeah, right. Who's gonna? And I go, God is. And ever since then, ever since then, you know, I've read recently again that uh, Streets of Gold, you know, we were talking about it and stuff, and God will do it. 
but not now. If we, had, if we had streets of gold right now, we'd all have car wrecks as soon as we left. There's no traction on gold. There isn't, so, you know, and there'd be other people out there digging it up, so there might be a few holes. Really. But every time I, there's a need, or we feel there's a need, and there usually is, um, the air conditioning broke on my Xterra. It was about two, two and a half years ago, maybe three, whatever. And we're like, okay, take the guys, got like a, at least $700. And I'm like, okay, you know, JC, it's summertime, we're going to do it. Then all of a sudden, I get a check in the mail for $700. 10 or 12 years earlier during orange, what do they call that when they were all oh, disease on the oranges? They chopped down two orange trees in our yard. And they gave us $50 a tree. But then somebody started a class action suit against the state of Florida because they weren't paying people what they should. And we had two trees, and they gave us $350 for a tree right when I needed it. I had no idea it was coming. But God did. And he knew I, I really wanted air conditioning. I really do. One of the uh, things that Gary taught us not to do don't listen to every word when people lead you to Jesus. Don't listen. Yeah, listen to him, but check it out. He, uh, he cursed himself all the time. He'd always tell us right from the very beginning that he had a lung problem and he was going to die early. And you know what? You say that long enough, the enemy's going to take advantage of that. And he did. It's a lie from the enemy. You know, you always say, well, my, my back's always hurt. This, uh, my family's not going well. We've always had... These are lies from the enemy, and they're not true. In Proverbs 18.21, it says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So you have a choice. You just speak good things over your family, or you speak bad things. The enemy, it may take a while. It probably took 20 years before uh, Gary passed on. But it was, it was like, you'd sit there and not, you'd, we, we had a division, him and I, unfortunately, um, when Toronto started coming around, he was, he was super high Pentecostal. He thought that we were nuts, you know? And we are. We are. We got to be nuts for Jesus at some point in time, you know? And it, it was really nutty then. So uh, we did, that, was, that was our division. It, 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 he'd come around. I mean, for the first 10 years, he'd come by once a month and he'd push me. And I'm scared to death. <laughs> you know, it's like, he's, God's bigger than me. And he goes, yeah, you're right. <laughs> And it's like, he, he always thought I should talk to people and stuff about Jesus and things. And after a while, it kind of sinks in. So talk to people about Jesus. They really, really, really need it. You're up. Oh, okay. Um, one of the things that um, Mike's sisters, he gets along with his sisters, but they drive each other crazy. But anyway, they can't understand how I've lived with him all these years. They call me Saint Susan. <laughs> and um, it's been easy. Not all the time. Can, my I have life, that? Can I have that in writing? My life has never been boring, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Being married to Mike. He's wonderful. He's phenomenal. <laughs> okay. We go through this every Don't day. Don't let it now. go to your head, honey. Okay. Oh, come on. Uh, wait a minute. You had a T-shirt made for me. It said phenomenal. I know. But that was after you had your knees done. The, doc, the doctor, <laughs> the surgeon goes after six weeks, goes, you're phenomenal, and now you're recovering. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. You know, so she couldn't stand me for a week. 
I'm phenomenal. I'm phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Lord. Early in my jail career, I was uh, on a Saturday morning. Uh, I think it was 2008 or 2009. Around 10 o'clock in the morning, we'd get out of jail. You can't bring your phones in. And I get out, and I had seven phone calls. And then I called Sue, and she said, everything's all right. And I'm like, okay, then why did all these people call me seven times, you know? She had a, they still haven't figured it out yet. Stomach issue. A stomach issue that caused her an extreme amount of pain. And it goes away as fast as it comes. And it's like, and it hit her the hardest in jail because she thought, she literally thought she was dying. Because she called our neighbor who was a state trooper because I didn't want to die alone. That's how bad the pain was. And then as soon as it's over, she regurgitates a little. And that, that. A little, not a lot, but it seemed to release to the pain. That. Okay, well, it's what happened. And then, and then I call her. I guess this happened about 8.30. And then by 10 o'clock when I call her, she's fine. She goes, I'm fine. There's nothing wrong. And I'm like, Ugh. So we, we battled this in prayer for about uh, 10 years. Uh-oh, my phone went away. Yes. Here. The last time, no, the last time we happened um, was like about eight weeks ago. Sue had a stomach deal right during the beginning of life group. And we're there like, come on. And she stand up. She starts walking around. Like, oh. And then all of a sudden she's sitting there in the chair. And everybody in life group's on there because it's a Zoom meeting. And they're praying. And then she goes, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. And I don't know. Could be a heart attack. 911. He called and the paramedics. I called the paramedics. And they were there, like, we were right across the street from there. We were in less than five minutes and everything. And then, and then she regurgitated. Stop. And, but you did. I'm so embarrassed. Okay. And then it went away. I mean, it goes away. And it's like, oh, yeah, they, that it goes away? Yeah, they need to know it goes away. But by, by 8.15 that night, Sue was back taking notes for the life group. That's how quick it comes and goes. So we're going to experience things in the kingdom that's going to seem like the worst attack in the world. I thought she was having, you know, she hadn't had that last summer deal. was 12-7-2019. And then she had, uh, what do they call those things? In, down your throat? The doctors looked down in her stomach, and then they gave her something, and then she didn't have it for two years. I was very happy. I don't like to have to pray for her, you know. But by 8.15, it was all over. And I mean completely all over. Not just, you know, like, but she was fine. She said, like, she finished taking notes for the meeting. We prayed for everybody at 9 o'clock and went home. She didn't like me talking about it. But, hey, if you guys want to know what's happening, it, it, stuff's really happening in the kingdom, you know. The other person in our life group was over there texting Carl and Tracy to pray, and we just mounted. When you start running to stuff, text somebody, pray. Hey, I need help. I'm, I was nervous. Well, three paramedics are with all their junk and everything. I'm arguing with the lady on the phone because she's asked me three times where I live. I go, lady, please, you know where I lived. I made the phone call. But then they're praying in tongues, and the guys are all listening to all this. You know, they didn't, they didn't give up just because the paramedics were there. And then she was fine. God does things very quickly. 
We're going to go to a better story. That's your story. It says no, Sue. No, Let's go move ahead. You want to, why move ahead? Because we're running out of time. No, we're not. <laughs> Sue. Sue and I take, took some vacations to the Caribbean, and we went and climbed a volcano in St. Vincent. And it was really high, La Soufere, and this year it exploded and everything. And then we got back to our hotel room. You're supposed to be saying this. Okay. <laughs> we get okay. back to the hotel room. We're trying to take a nap. And he keeps saying, are you asleep? Are you asleep? And, of course, that woke me up. And then he went to sleep, and I was not happy about that. <laughs> not at all. She was more than not happy. But now, how many times do I go... He does it all the time. <laughs> Are you asleep? Are you asleep? Just about every night. <laughs> no, no. I have a very grace-filled wife. It's unbelievable how much grace she has. I was working at... Oh, I thought you were taking the microphone to your face. No. I was working at Albertsons, and there was this young guy there who was addicted to drugs. And um, he had to go into a clinic and stuff to get free, but he had a wife and a son. So I invited him to my house, you know, mm, come on. That didn't go well. And uh, he was out in the yard. The, kids, the kid was four years old, and they didn't have a lot of clothes. So they were washing his clothes, and Sue would make me shorts for the bakery because I liked cotton shorts and stuff. And so the kid's out there in the yard, and I put a pair of my, my shorts on a four-year-old kid with uh, a safety pin, and we called them droopy drawers. <laughs> Every time we see a kid with their pants coming down, it's droopy drawers. Right? Then Sue and Mike, the homeless Steve, we used to pick up a guy that was hitchhiking on 95 all the time. And his name was Steve. Years ago. Three minutes, Mike. Three minutes. Let's move it along. <laughs> okay. Our 25th anniversary, we'd bring the guy home, I'd feed him, and then choom, he'd be on. He'd get saved every time, too, you know. Our 25th anniversary. What? It says your name in front of that. I'm way past that. Okay. Uh, no, yeah, I know we're at 50. <laughs> but on our 25th wedding anniversary, I wanted to streak the neighborhood. Okay, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> During that process, uh, I started working for a church, and then I was recommended to take a family life skills course so I could teach Guys that were angry. And I'm like, I'm good. And I found out after teaching this course, so you had to take it three times before they'd let you teach it, be the facilitator. I found it out that I needed it the most. It was, you know, and it's like, ooh. We used to drive like 20 minutes to church, and Sue would take her coffee cup and put it on the hood of the car, or she'd put it on the roof of the car, and she, I'd drive away and... And the cup would go off, and I'd be mad for the whole day because we just have to buy another cup. And then the day that I went, and after it happened, and I went to Best Buy, and I bought the most expensive cup I could find because I go, you're worth more than a coffee cup, honey. And she goes, where's my husband? You know, I'm not used to this. And Sue took the course, too, finally, after about eight or ten years. No, it says Sue. It says that. Don't argue with me. Doesn't matter. Sue, this is Sue saying this. Are you mad? 
That's what she's learned out of the course. She finds out, are you mad, Mike, at me, or are you just mad? And she's able to ask me that now. And I go, I'm just mad. She goes, oh, well, that's your problem. You work it out then. <laughs> go to the last scripture. Sue, she fed the poor every Saturday for 12 years, cooking for them. We had, since last March, we made, I counted them up this morning, dear, 1,000, oh, 12,260 meals wow. since last March. We committed, yeah, amen. We committed right then to feed them six days a week because of the pandemic just started. Everybody was scared of everybody. And as soon as we did, our stove blew up that night. And so we ran down to Bransmart, and they didn't have one. I ran down to Bransmart the next morning at 8 o'clock and bought one at the warehouse, and we got it going. One of the best things that we do, our house now, after 40 years of walking with Jesus, is a peace house, we call it, as per Pastor Carl and Pastor Tracy. They came to our house and checked us out before we had life group. And she goes, oh, I feel peace in here. I go, yeah, you're supposed to. That's our house. I had a friend of mine. He used to come every Thursday afternoon. I was mentoring him. And um, I knew him before he had kids. And now he's got three kids in his second house. Now. But anyway, he'd come to our house. And we'd be sitting there talking. And next thing I know, he's there like, you want a good nap? Come to our church. <laughs> really. Or our house. Either one. I bought a carpet that had double padding on it so you can lay down on the carpet and not feel bad. It doesn't hurt. Purposeful. So, um, thank you all for listening to us. One of the things that, uh, back to the feeding bit, we use the food as bait. I get the, she makes all the food. She does all the work. She gets the clothes. She sets everything up in the car. And I go out, and we lead... More people introducing them to God than anything else. That's our purpose when, when we go out. We just don't go out to feed them, which is good. Jesus said, feed the poor, we do that. But more than that, you know, I introduce them, like it or not. Here you go. You're going to pray with me. It may take some people. One guy, remember Steve? The guy, wouldn't, the guy wouldn't, didn't like Christians because they were Christians. And so the guy, the first thing the guy did was he tested me. He ate five hot dogs. I go, yeah, here's one. I want another one. Here's one. So the guy ate five hot dogs, then he, was, then he liked us after that. Both. We're going to use every other verse. Sue, you start. This is our closing verse for everybody here. Romans 8. 8 30, 37. Romans 8.37. Mm -hmm. Yet even in the midst of all these things, we triumph over them. For God has made us to be more than conquerors, mm -hmm. and he's demonstrated... And his demonstrated love in our glorious victory over everything. So now I live with the confidence that there is nothing in the universe with the power to separate us from God's love. I am convinced that his love will triumph over death. Life's troubles, fallen angels, dark rulers in heavens. There is nothing in our present or our future circumstances that can weaken his love. Thirty-nine. Oh, okay. Um, I can't read it from there. There is no power above us, beneath us, no power that could ever be found in the universe. Didn't you just read that? Keep going. Oh, that can distance us from God's passionate love, which is lavished upon us through our Lord Jesus Christ, the anointed one. And now we bless every marriage here. Amen. 
every single person here. Yes. Every divorced, people thinking about it. Lord, you're greater than it all. We look like it's trouble. You know, we can sit up here and laugh, and she still tells me what to do. But we work it out. We've had to work it out. And it's worth it. Is it worth it? Yes, it's worth it. It's worth it. Because God will be on your side after a while. You know, sometimes you got to wait. I think more than anything else is um, for the married couples. When you take your vows, you say you're going to love, honor, and respect each other. And that works. Amen. There you go. We've been doing it for 50 years. And at the end of the meeting, if anybody wants prayer, marriage or single person to find a mate, we will be more than happy to do it. God bless you all. Amen. Thank you. Amen. 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 As they make their way down, my wife's going to come up. Hold on real quick. My wife and I are going to sum up a couple of things that we want to share with the married couples. Oh. You ready, Sue? Yeah. Thank you. Let me help you. No rush. You take them there. Here, honey, take that. i help you down on here. No, no, no. Go ahead, honey. Nope. Hey, so we just, again, we honor what God has done in their lives. Um, I also want to honor the commitment. You know, we, we have God in our, in our lives. We welcome him into our lives. But we have to commit to follow him and do our part. And as I always like to say that if we do the natural, God will meet us with the supernatural. And I believe that that's an example right there. That they in the, their natural effort was to love, honor, and respect like they um, promised to on their wedding day. And God met with his supernatural and came in. And here, here they are 50 years later. So praise the Lord. Yeah. And as Tracy and I prayed on uh, what we wanted to share very quickly, and we're going to get you out of here soon, um, really comes down to two things. If you want, uh, if you want to have a happy marriage, uh, biblically speaking, um, there's two things that you need in your marriage, uh, and that is humility and forgiveness. Humility and forgiveness. The world has a lot of definitions of marriage. The world has a lot of uh, definitions of relationship and what's going to make me happy. Uh, We believe only the Word of God can uh, really uh, help us come into what a fruitful relationship looks like and what a God-honoring relationship looks like. And so briefly, Tracy and I want to talk about what we think. Uh, If we could just give you some nuggets of wisdom for your marriage, what we would say. Right, so we we wanted to share, and as many of you guys know, for anyone that's been married in this church, um, Pastor Carl and I do premarital counseling. Um, We also have have ministered to married couples. And I also want, um, I I want everyone to hear what we're saying, because this is... um, this is about marriage, but this is also about relationships with other people. You may be married in the future. You um, will have close relationships with people, and God gives us um, examples of how we can do that. And so the main things are humility and um, forgiveness. Now, the, the big thing that I like to say when I meet with married couples when they're planning to get married is, hey, you have to be a Christian in your marriage. Come on, say that again. Say that again. You have to be a Christian in your marriage. You know, God calls us, teaches us how to be, how to think, how to interact with others. And we cannot become so familiar with the person that we've pledged our life to, to not be a a Christian to them. And I say that because we all forget. We all forget because we are sharing their house with them. You know, they they may have left uh, a towel on the floor, left a cabinet open, and you were like, you know, had it, but you still have to be a Christian. 
Um, Paul wrote to the church in Philippi, and he talked about how we as Christians need to think and behave in relation to other people. If you look in Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, It says, do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Now that was written to the church of Philippi, but that's written to the church of Boca Raton. That's written to us. This is how God has called us to live. And we have to carry that into our marriages, into our relationships with other people. And humility, it says, um, but with humility of mind. Um, Humility is being meek. It's showing consideration. If you want to know what humility looks looks like, let's look at the life of Jesus. Jesus, who is God, who walked the earth as a man, he chose to do this. He, He died for us. He thought of us first. He considered us first. He washed the feet, of, the feet of the disciples. He gave of his life so that we could have a better life. That is the example that's set before us of humility. Um, humility is believing the best of a person, yeah. giving them the benefit of the doubt, and wanting what's best for that person. Being humble or having humility is recognizing and acknowledging that you don't know everything. Not even your spouse's thoughts and motives. I know we think we know everything, but I can tell you guys, the older I get, the more I realize I don't know everything. And that is a humble thought to just say, I I don't know. I don't know what you're thinking and I don't know why you did that or said that and just be humble. Um, Being humble or humility is um, making the effort to see the world from your partner's perspective or being, uh, making the effort to see the world from any person's perspective, to not always think that you have to look at things through the, your lens, but say, hey, okay, wait, where, where's this person coming from? Let me consider where they are coming from. Humility allows us to admit our mistakes. Has anyone else in this room made a mistake? I know I have made mistakes. Yeah. And sometimes we don't want to admit it. I, I talk about this a lot. I, uh, um, I, I relate very much to this Enneagram one of perfectionists, and I don't like to be wrong. It really just, I want to be right, and I want everyone to know that I'm right. But you know what? That's not Christ-like. And humility allows us to admit our mistakes. It is the opposite of pride. Should I say that again? Yeah. <laughs> Um, humility allows us to admit our mistakes. Also, humility allows us to receive the word that God is giving us. <laughs> to receive the word that God is giving us and know that, um, hey, we're not perfect. Amen. Amen? Humility is the opposite of pride. And we say, you know, I don't want to be prideful, but are we being humble? Are we putting other people's thoughts above our own? Are the person that, we've, that we love, that we've pledged our life to, um, that maybe is the person that um, you asked to pick up milk from the grocery store and they totally forgot? Are we being humble? You know, are we being humble when um, we have an argument and you, we think we're completely right and we don't look at... You know, every argument that we have takes two. You can't have an argument by yourself. If you do, you might want to seek some, some help. Um, But an argument takes two, and usually 
um, in that too, somebody did something. Each person did something con to contribute to the conflict. And so we need to take responsibility for ourselves and be humble and recognize, hey, I've played a part in this. I am not perfect. And sometimes, you know, I, I just say this, I think sometimes we can sit in church and hear the message and the preacher's preaching and we're like, yeah, honey, yeah, honey. And be like, wait a minute, how about me? <laughs> or like how um, with that video that my husband showed last week, what about yourself? <laughs> Worry about yourself, stay in your lane and be humble and recognize, hey, I, I make mistakes. Not I've, you. Not you. Not me. Not you. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, so humility is the opposite of pride. And I want to read out of James chapter 4, verse 6. It says, but he gives a greater grace. Amen. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Grace is God's power or ability that he gives us to do something that we cannot do on our own. It's God's strength, God's wisdom that comes into a situation that seems impossible, but with God's grace, it can happen. Have, I mean, I've experienced so many times that I'm like, okay, how is this going to work out? But then God's grace comes and it's like, he's given me strength. How many, I, I can think of, maybe you guys can relate to this, where you've been through trials and you look back and you're like, how did I get through that? Just God's grace. It really was God's grace that I got through it. And we need God's grace in marriage. If anyone has been married more than one day, you will know that you need God's grace for marriage. Amen? At least to have a good marriage. Um, and, and here is what I want to leave you guys with before my husband of 21 years speaks. Um, God will give you grace in your marriage when you choose to be humble. Selah. And, 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 and here's what's important. Um, when you come into an agreement before God that you're going in to be in a relationship with someone, the third partner in your marriage is God. And God has to be the most important partner in your marriage, as Mike and Sue just talked about. Uh, and, and you need God's energizing power in order to stay connected. Mm -hmm. This is what's absolutely required. You cannot do it on your own. And in, anything you can accomplish on your own wasn't actually born in God's heart. God gives grace to be married. And, and, and so this grace uh, is the first part. The second part that we have found is so desperately needed is forgiveness. Amen. Uh, we got married. We were both kind of rough around the edges. I was a little more uh, aggressively rough. She was more passive-aggressively rough. Uh, and, um, and, and so that, that, that caused a lot, of, a lot of conflict early on. And um, we, if, if, you, if you have a rough relationship that you're in, we've been married 21 years, and I... We've only counseled a couple people that have had rougher than us. True. And, uh, and, and you're going to make it. If you stay connected to God, his grace is going to empower you to make it through whatever trial you're yes. going through right now. Whatever hardship you're facing right now, whatever conflict you're in right now, if you put Jesus in the middle of it, you are going to make it through. But you have to walk in forgiveness. You have to walk in forgiveness. Unforgiveness is a cancer in your marriage. Bitterness is a cancer in every relationship you are in. That's why the immature want you to get offended with them, yep. to justify your unforgiveness. In our outrage culture today, there is a celebration of unforgiveness. I had to unfollow so many people whose causes I am passionate about, but all of their social media posts are all bitter 
and walk in unforgiveness. Now, I have to be a Christian before I'm anything else. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian husband. I'm a Christian dad. I'm a Christian who wants the earth to be taken care of. I'm a Christian who is into justice. I'm a Christian who's into righteousness. I'm a Christian who's into life. But I'm a Christian first. Amen. And in so many of our causes, we put the cause before Christ. And we think it's okay to be unchristian as long as I'm going towards a good cause. And that is a lie from the devil. I need you to hear this. This is a lie. And so when we walk in unforgiveness toward our spouse, we are inviting the enemy into our relationship. And he didn't fix anything. See, humility will position you to forgive. Pride positions you to stay bitter. Humility positions you to forgive. Pride will bind you in your mistake. Pride is like like an anchor. That, that you will not be forgiving and you don't get to move past problems. John 17, 17, this is what Jesus prayed for the church. He says, Jesus, in, in John 17, 17, he prayed that we would be moved from the spirit of this age to the spirit that is only found in God's word. Jesus prayed, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. Now, Amen. in marriage, you have to recognize that there is a truth higher than you. Yeah. Let me say this again. You have to recognize there's a truth higher than you. Men, there's a truth higher than you. You want to be the man of the house, but there is a word above your word. It's the word of Jesus. And ladies, you may be like, well, I run the house anyways. I'm really the one who maybe, maybe you make more money. Maybe you take care of the kids. Maybe you do more work. And so really, I'm the one keeping things together. No, no, there is someone who did something greater than what you're doing. There is a word above your word. It is Jesus's word. And that is the truth that Jesus wants us to be sanctified in. Is this making sense? Yeah. Amen. Amen. Come on. No, that's good. Amen. And so forgiveness in married life allows you to step out of the role of victim and shows that you're capable of acknowledging your hurt and move on from it. Your spouse does something, your friend does something, you get angry, and all you care about is that, you're, that they say that you're right. They want, they want, you want them to validate your pain instead of you walking in forgiveness saying, oh, wait a minute, my bitterness is my fault. You may have done something to me, but my bitterness is my fault, and Jesus wants me to forgive. And as I forgive, that's me taking ownership of my own emotions. That's me taking ownership of my own feelings. Forgiveness in marriage, it's a skill that helps couples to process negative emotions and acts in order to build a stronger bond. Amen. That's what it is. Forgiveness in marriage is a skill that helps couples to build, excuse me, couples to process negative emotions and acts in order to move and build a stronger bond. Forgiveness is a choice, not a feeling. Forgiveness is a choice, not a feeling. I don't feel like forgiving. I, yeah. Jesus didn't say when you feel like it, forgive. And he talked really clearly about the life that we live when we walk in unforgiveness. When you walk in unforgiveness, you're walking in judgment. And you wonder, like, why is there so much strife? It's because you're walking in judgment. Begin to forgive. But if I forgive, how will they know that they're wrong? They may never know that they're wrong. But you'll get the peace of God. And your humility may bring bring the grace into your relationship that helps them to repent. Someone's got to act first. You need to focus more on on yourself than what they did wrong in marriage. Yeah. Um, And I just have just some really just point blank things I want to tell you. Just some nuggets of wisdom from Carl. Don't move into accusation. 
Stop telling other people what they did wrong. Start talking about your feelings. That's good. Stop pointing your finger and telling people what they did wrong. Start talking about your feelings. What does that mean? Stop yelling at people. Can, Go this ahead. is something this. I, that, this. I, that I teach on all the time. It, in premarital, if you guys have sat with me, we've had this conversation. Um, you know, we, it's very easy for us and we feel powerful when we're pointing the finger at somebody. But when you're pointing the finger at somebody else, that makes them come back in the defense. They come back defensively. But if you make yourself vulnerable and say, this happened, you did this thing, I feel very hurt. Or I felt like you weren't listening to me when you made this choice. You're making yourself vulnerable. But the person then has the opportunity to respond with love. There, it's not like so, if someone's coming at you attacking, they're going to try to attack back. But if you approach them with love and kindness, that sets the stage for there to be uh, a love response. So let's use your didn't pick up the milk example. Okay. So say you're supposed to pick up milk on the way home and uh, you're, 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 you're whoever's going to be cooking that night, the other spouse, say maybe uh, the wife's coming home from work, she's supposed to bring the milk, and the husband's cooking dinner, and uh, she didn't bring home the milk. And uh, she could say, you know, or, or he could say to her, you know, you don't care about anybody but yourself. I told you I need this. And you, you're, not even, you're not involved in the home work. You're not involved in dinner. And, and like, like, you couldn't do this one thing for me. Or, or you could say, it kind of hurt that, you know, I'm working, doing all this, and this didn't, it felt like my need wasn't important. We can make ourselves vulnerable, or we can step into the role of the enemy, the accuser. Let's own our own feelings and stop accusing people. We need to accept responsibility for our own feelings, because unforgiveness anchors us in bitterness. <clears throat> I think that every married person, every person in a relationship, uh, you need somebody to talk to about your relationship outside of your marriage, right? You need to talk to somebody. Find one person, maybe two, that you talk to about your spouse. Any more than that, and you're gossiping. Find one person, maybe two, to complain to about your spouse. Other than that, you're slandering your marriage. You're trying to get people on your side, and that is evil. Trying to divide people against something that's supposed to be united is demonic. And you need to stop that. That's my little, right? Uh, don't let wounds fester. Deal with some stuff. Have hard conversations uh, with somebody that you trust. Own your own issues. Stop blaming other people for your issues. Uh, Tracy and I have issues. We have issues. Uh, I have issues. Uh, we deal with our issues. Uh, and, 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 and finally, I just wanted to let you know that um, if you choose to walk in forgiveness in your marriage uh, and walk in humility, God will give you grace to see it flourish. God will give you grace to see it flourish. God, like our marriage is a testimony of what God can do for two people who are just willing to stand and stick around. Like we could have, like, amen. Amen. I, 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 when I first got in ministry, I had an old pastor say to me, you, say, you know how you long, you know how you last long in ministry? I said, how you last long in ministry? He said, stick around. Just stand. Stand. You want to last in your marriage? Just stand. Say, this is not going to be the death of our marriage. Have honest conversations. This is not going to have the death of our marriage. We are going to talk to somebody. We are going to work through this thing. We are going to follow Christ. We're going to be Christ followers, and we're going to see God come through. Stand with me, if you would. I'm going to play a little thing here. I, I want um, two things is what I want to do. After service, we have cake 
outside. We're going to celebrate Mike and Sue's 50th anniversary. Party time. Come on, be happy about that. Can you play some keyboard for me? And what I want to do is I want to lead us in a time of repentance. I want to lead us in a time of repentance uh, for our judgments and bitterness that have um, that has affected relationships we're supposed to protect. Amen? Amen. And I just want to say again, we were talking specifically about marriage because we're celebrating a wonderful uh, couple and we're receiving wisdom and impartation for our lives. But this applies to all relationships in our lives. There are people that God has, has brought, have brought in our lives to ha- for us to have relationship with. And um, not only in marriage, if, if, if you're not married, if you're divorced, this is for all of us. God has called all of us to forgive. He's called all of us to not be bitter. He's called all of us to, to repent of bitterness and judgment so that we can have his grace in our lives and have strong relationships that glorify God. Amen? Amen. All right, let's pray. Father, we do love you. We love you, Father God. We love you. We thank you that you sent Jesus Christ, who is the model of forgiveness, who is the model of humility. And Lord, we just declare in the name of Jesus that we are followers of yours. Father, we pray right now that you would forgive us of our pride. Forgive us of our thoughts that we can judge that we could stand in judgment, that we are somehow better. Lord, we pray that you would give us a heart of humility, a heart to serve, a heart to bless. Lord, we place you back at the center of our relationships. We declare that you are a good God. And we ask you to change our hearts as we go forth in this week that the bitterness will come off our hearts, the judgment will come off our hearts, that we could walk in the peace that you offer those who walk in forgiveness. I just went silently here for a moment. I was going to give you a moment. Just allow Holy Spirit to work in your heart of possible people that you're offended with that you need to forgive. And then repent of your judgment. And you can whisper it under your breath. It needs to be spoken. And you can say something like, I forgive my spouse for saying that hurtful thing. I release them from that. I declare, just as I've been forgiven, I forgive them. Doesn't make it right, but it gets you right. I forgive my boss for not giving me that raise. I I repent of my judgment. I choose to walk in forgiveness today. And I just, I just see the enemy coming off of people as you release people, wow, in forgiveness today. And so I ask Holy Spirit that you would come. Holy Spirit, that you would come. You would empower people to forgive right now. You would empower people to forgive, walk in forgiveness, repent of judgment and bitterness that they would release these unhealthy emotions. They would release these ungodly feelings. Father, that you would release your peace upon your people as they choose not to sit in the judgment seat, but to sit in the seat of mercy. 
Anybody else? Are you almost done? Now begin to pray, Father, empower me to walk in humility this week. Empower me to walk in forgiveness. Empower me to walk in love. Now, I just declare the blood of Jesus over every repentant person in here today. I declare freedom over your life in the name of Jesus. I declare that this spirit of offense will come off your life. This bitterness will come off your life. That your healing balm would come. And heal souls. In the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you that when we choose to forgive, that your grace comes. And I just declare the grace of God, the healing balm, that you would just come right now and touch every single person, every single situation. That you would lift the burden of bitterness and fill it with the joy of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Can you say amen? Give a clap offering to the Lord. I feel like he did something in some people's hearts today. We honor the rent lords. We want to thank you for sticking around. If you want prayer for uh, Mike and Sue said they would pray for anybody who wants prayer for their marriage. Or uh, we pray for every person who's seeking uh, to get married. But we have cake outside. And uh, anything else you want to say before we go? Have a wonderful week. Winter Revival Life is Wednesday night. And sign up if you'd like to join. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Thanks for coming.